How's everybody doing today? Good. Good to see you all here. the lamb are your garments spotless are they white as snow are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you walking daily by the savior's side are you washed in the blood of the lamb do you rest each moment in the crucified are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you coming spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Go be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? All right, well, it's good to see everybody here tonight in a good crowd. We appreciate you being out here on a beautiful uh, summer day. Hasn't it been beautiful this week? The temperature's been nice, and uh, we thank the Lord for just a wonderful week this week. And um, then I want to encourage you. Uh, this Sunday, we have the McCormick family going to be with us, and uh, if you've not heard them before, they sing, and Brother Cedric will probably be preaching in the afternoon session, uh, service, and uh, looking forward to the time together with them, and so invite some folks to come with you, and um, they'll be an encouragement and a help to you. And normally, we don't have uh, two people back-to-back like that, but uh, the way the schedules work, they uh, could come at that time, and that just when it, that's just when it worked out, so... Uh, looking forward to a good time together this week, 
uh, with them and uh, be praying that God will bless and use that service. Then continue to pray for Brother Everett Scheffler. I know many of you uh, have been praying about that and have been getting updates through the prayer line. Uh, Miss Florence sent a picture of him uh, to me by text uh, just before church tonight, sitting up and looking more like himself. So praise the Lord for that. He's able to talk to folks and knows who they are and can recognize everybody. So that's a, a blessing because he was really uh, in a bad way. So we thank the Lord for that and a great answer to prayer and um, certainly something to be rejoicing over. Let's bow our heads in prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing on the service tonight. Father, we do thank you for the privilege to be here tonight, and I pray that you would bless the time that we spend together. May you give your guidance and your grace to us. I pray that you would help us to uh, not only be able to teach clearly, but also to rightly divide your word and be able to uh, have clear illumination of the truth of your word. And Father, that we would purpose in our hearts that we will live our lives by the truth and the principles that we find in its pages and that it will be our sole source. I pray that you would help us to commit to that, to be consecrated to it. And then, Father, that you would bless um, uh, the uh, time that is spent here in fellowship and in singing, that it will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Brother Keith. Nothing but the blood, page 212. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardonness I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansingness, my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other count I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. All right.
Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. <coughs> Amen. Wafted on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell to sinners far and wide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing ye islands of the sea. Echo back ye ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves. <coughs> Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom, when the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph for the tomb, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. <coughs> Give the winds a mighty voice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let his nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Miss Carmen for playing the piano and leading the music, or vice versa, leading the music and playing the piano. And uh, I enjoy Christ honoring music, don't you? Uh, sets the heart in place for uh, the preaching of God's Word. And I like the old hymns. There's a lot of theology in them, a lot of uh, doctrine in them. And uh, I just like the old, the old songs, don't you? And uh, thank the Lord for them. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, and again, if you will, keep in prayer, Brother uh, Everett, and uh, still uh, needing to recover a little bit more from uh, where he's been, and uh, then also Brother Bob Schwabert, who uh, has is at home and uh, have gotten word that he's able to get out and about in a wheelchair a little bit, and uh, so uh, praise the Lord for that, and uh, so uh, several good things to be praising the Lord for, and I talked to Miss June yesterday. And they're uh, adjusting her um, uh, chemotherapy treatments to do one treatment a month instead of every other week. And um, they did her counts yesterday, and her counts were up. And so we praise the Lord for that. The, the things that have been so low uh, that they couldn't do chemo, uh, they've been coming up. And so we praise the Lord for it going the right direction finally. And uh, But do continue to pray for her and also some family matters and issues they have. Pray for our Vacation Bible School, and hopefully some of you saw uh, a little video ad we put out this week uh, for it and to try to encourage folks to sign up for it. Uh, we also have, and I would encourage you, and I, I should have um, had them being passed out as you came in, uh, but we have uh, invitation cards in the back, flyers and uh, in the, on the back table there, and so 
uh, right inside the vestibule, not the big table here, but the little one by the door there. And so I want to encourage you to um, make use of those. If you know some people that would like to be at VBS or would like to sign up for it to do it virtually, uh, both ways will be uh, beneficial to us. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be unique for us this year because we're doing it uh, slightly different than we've done it in the past to try to accommodate folks that uh, are not going to be able to be here in the service. But uh, it may be something that uh, we'll be able to do a year after year uh, as a way to reach more young people. And so I uh, pray that God will bless it and use it. Uh, I'm sure we'll make our share of mistakes uh, along the way with it. But uh, pray that God will give guidance there and direction and that um, it will be a blessing and a help to folks. And then, if you will, continue to pray for uh, Brother Jess Harris, uh, who's been battling emphysema, Brother Ron uh, Beckett, uh, who, again, is still struggling with his breathing this summer. It's been a really difficult summer for both those fellas. And so if you would keep them in prayer. Also, Jean Whitener, uh, continue to pray for her. And uh, pray for Joanne Clark. She was up here Sunday and has made the decision to move back to the Festus area, which is where she needed to be anyway, amen, <laughs> just back home. And uh, she did put her house up for sale in Piedmont, so pray that that will sell. And pray as we look for a house for her here um, that God will put the right one in, in her path and that uh, it will be what the Lord has for her. And um, so a lot of things to be thankful for, a lot of things to be in prayer about, and continue to pray for uh, Caleb Owens and uh, the family there. Um, do we have any updates, Ms. Carmen or someone? you have an update on that? Okay. 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 Yes. Okay. All right. So pray for Sarah's family then as well. All right. Anything else then? Let's go ahead and uh, take other prayer requests. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> sure. Amen. Amen. <coughs> sure.
Right, sure. Right. The nice thing is the way we're doing it this year, it'll be also recorded while we do it. So they can always, if they, if she doesn't do it, you can get the boxes and take over to your house and have them all over and do it at your house with them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Sure. So, so pray, so pray for Bailey, uh, partner. In case you didn't know who that was, she said, "Pray for Bailey." Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay. Amen. 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 It's been a blessing to us to have you here, too. <laughs> We've enjoyed uh, getting to know you guys, and uh, certainly a joy to have you here. All right. Miss Linda? Okay. Okay. Good. I see. Okay. All right. Okay. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. So pray for this. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. I didn't hear the last one. Okay, unspoken. Okay. Any other unspokens tonight? Let's count them real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten unspoken prayer requests. And uh, God knows what they are. I know a lot of times uh, we have personal matters that uh, don't need to be expressed. And uh, But uh, do be in prayer for them because they're no less serious than any other prayer requests. So pray for those. Yes, ma'am.
<laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I'm telling you, I get excited when God's blessing in my life. But, you know, the thing is, we know from Scripture that even when we don't see as many blessings in our life, and maybe even when we're going through the valleys, God's still good. And that's what's the amazing thing, is He's good all the time. And uh, we can rejoice. In fact, the Bible tells us we're supposed to rejoice evermore. And uh, so certainly something to be thankful for. All right, anything else very quickly? We have a long lesson. No, I don't. Not really. It's not a long lesson tonight. I learned my lesson last week. We went a little too long last week. So anything else? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you tonight, and even though we are aware and we know that you already know what the requests were, and Lord, you've known them since they have become problems and even before, but yet you give us the great joy and the great privilege to come to you as a child will come to a father and to bring our problems and our burdens to you. And what a joy and a help it is to us how it gives us peace and even through the midst of our sorrow and burden that we are bearing to know that we have a God that hears us and that is uh, able to understand the burden and the pain that we're going through that can give us the strength to carry on. And Lord, I pray that you would help to sustain us and encourage us and uplift us through these times. Lord, many that were mentioned tonight that need physical healing and, and your touch of strength upon them. And we're so rejoicing over the good news of Brother Everett uh, doing better and uh, to hear of Brother Bob being up and around and hearing of Miss June being able to have her counts up and feeling a little bit better. And, uh, Father, what a joy that is, the good report of uh, uh, Linda and Richard's brother Ron not having uh, cancer in the brain. Uh, but yet, Lord, all of these folks still have health issues and things that we do come to you about. We ask that you would touch their bodies and strengthen them. <coughs> give grace where it is needed and give healing where your will would allow. We pray that you would uh, bless those that uh, are needing to make some very serious decisions. Lord, they need your direction. Uh, they need your uh, guidance and leading. And I pray that you would bring across their paths the, the answer to what they're searching for, what they're looking at, the, the uh, decisions that they're going to have to make, that you would give great grace and discernment in the matters. We do pray that you would bless there. Lord, a number of folks that had unspoken requests tonight, and we certainly don't want to minimize those. For many times they are very, very serious requests, just ones that we cannot or do not feel right about sharing with others. And I pray that you would... Uh, help us to bear one another's burdens, even if we don't know all of what they are, that we can lift each other up in prayer and be an encouragement to each other. And so, Father, we ask that you would bless in each of these unspoken requests that were mentioned tonight. Uh, Lord, so many things that uh, need to be dealt with. Uh, and uh, many of us have friends and loved ones that are unsaved that we're praying for. Uh, others of us have family uh, issues and matters that we're dealing with. And so, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will give great grace and guidance during this time that he will uh, be able to direct us and send him to comfort us, we pray. Help us to be yielded to him, to have our hearts submitted to him, and that we would not grieve or quench him. Father, we ask that you would bless the lesson tonight. And, Lord, we've spent some time already in prayer asking you to bless and to use it. 
and that it would be helpful to our people. I pray that you would allow the, uh, the tone to be gracious and yet uh, that we would speak with boldness from your word. And so, Father, help to temper us uh, with your grace. We pray, pray that you'll bless all that we say and do, that it would glorify you, that at the end of the night as we leave this place, we can say it's been good to have been in uh, your house with your people and hearing your word preached. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, if you will, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's where we started last week. And uh, if you were not able to be here last week, I'm going to um, very quickly just give a, a short recap. I would encourage you, uh, we did get a recording of it last week, even though our mainstream did not get the audio of it for some reason. Um, Brother Keith always does a secondary recording of it. And so we were able to get that, put it on the Facebook. And if you were not here last Wednesday, I would encourage you uh, to go back and re-watch that. And even if you were here, perhaps uh, re-watch it as we have been dealing now for uh, last week and this week, uh, the subject of the uh, prosperity gospel-type churches, the uh, what we would call the Word of Faith, and, and we're going to expound a little bit more on that tonight, why we call it the Word of Faith type ministries and those that are involved in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and uh, beginning in verse number uh, 1, Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And so I want to encourage us in, in some things tonight. The purpose of doing this, and I've been preparing it and praying for it for several months now, is because, is because we are seeing so many folks that attend doctrinally sound Bible preaching churches that get swept up in this movement and they begin to uh, pursue some things that are not doctrinally in line with God's Word. And as, uh, as we study this, I, I want us to approach it from this standpoint. Either these people are right with God's Word, and if they are, we need to, we need to do what they're doing, or they are wrong with God's Word, and we need to have no part of it. There is not a middle ground here. There's not room for us to, uh, to join arm in arm with them and hand in hand and just say, well, we will agree on the things we can agree on, and we will disagree on the things we will disagree on. Because as we go through this, more and more, you're going to see that the gospel that they teach and the God that they teach about is not the God of the Bible, and it certainly is not the gospel of the Bible. We said last week that the large reason why uh, they are able to get by with this is that they claim to have direct revelation from God and that that supersedes or at least is on the equivalent level of Scripture. Uh, we believe very clearly that God's Word teaches that this is a completed revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is inerrant, it is inspired, 
it is verbally given by God, word for word, and that we hold in our hands tonight not a word of God, but the word of God. And because of that, and the reason we hold so strongly to that is because we believe that all of our doctrine, all of what we live and practice our lives doing, is to be based on this book and this book alone. And if I get up here one day and I've lost my mind and I get up here and I say, uh, I'm going to share something with you that you won't find in Scripture, but God came to me last night and told me this, you need to go ahead and get rid of me as a pastor and find a new one. And I'll give you permission to do that right now because even it will benefit me to do that. Um, folks, we hold to the Bible as our sole, our sole authority in faith and practice. To believe anything other than that, we'll see, is elevating us to a level with God. And uh, we're going to see some of that a little bit tonight. We're going to, many of you asked what the, who the picture of this was tonight. I found an old picture of Brother Richard uh, with the beard. And no, I'm just kidding. I told him tonight, he asked, who is that? I said, Brother Richard, that's you. I got an old picture of you. Uh, but uh, this is a picture of a fellow by the name of Phineas Quimby, he lived in the early 1800s. He was born in 1802, died in 1866, and was kind of the, uh, the first person to get the, get the snowball rolling down the hill in this movement. I'll give you a few things that he taught and that he uh, was involved in. He was known as the father of a movement called New Thought, uh, the idea that this is something new that the Bible doesn't teach. And uh, you remember, uh, remember when Paul uh, was going to Mars Hill and, and he had encountered the Gnostics, how they were itching to hear some new thing all the time? And uh, this fellow was the kind of person that would come along, and for people who were tired of the same old teachings from God's Word, in their opinion, they wanted something new and fresh. This fellow started a movement called the New Thought. Uh, he was a student of occultism and dabbling in the things of Satan, he was uh, involved in hypnosis and parapsychology, so a lot of kind of um, very, very questionable type of practices. Uh, his, his theology that he came out with and was, was teaching at the time became the foundation, and it served as the basis for uh, what was called at that time the mind science. It now is called the Christian science movement. It was started by uh, Mary Baker Eddy, and she took a lot of his theology and incorporated that, and you'll find that there's a lot of close similarities between uh, uh, what, what is called Christian science and uh, the Word of Faith uh, type movement. Uh, by the way, uh, Christian science is neither Christian nor is it science, and uh, it's kind of an unusual name for it. But um, one of the things that they, they believe and one of the, the strong tenets of their faith is the concept that the very words that they speak are tangible faith. We're going to look a little bit more at that here in just a little bit. But what I mean by that is they believe that when they speak something, that they are speaking it into existence. They believe that, uh, for instance, the, the, the ones that, are, uh, that most closely hold to this teaching, uh, if you ever meet them, they will never admit that they're sick. Uh, they could be, you know, 105 fever, uh, having the chills, um, you know, flu symptoms. And if you ask them how they're doing, they'll say, oh, I'm doing fine. 
They will not speak of the fact that they're sick because they believe that their words enable this sickness. And uh, so this is where this, this came from, this fellow, uh, uh, Phineas Quimby. Now, uh, it's, it's progressed into the modern era, and there are a number of folks. We mentioned some of them last week, gave you some of the things that they said. And what I've done tonight is I've tried to put some clips together. Uh, I, I appreciate there's another fellow that had done a lot of the legwork on finding a lot of this material, and his name is Justin Peters. I appreciate uh, being able to use some of the material that he has had. Uh, I will say this, he's not King James Version, so I don't recommend him uh, for our folks to go and listen to, but he has done a lot of uh, technical legwork in compiling a lot of this stuff, and so I've been able to take a lot of the things from his material, and so a lot of what we get tonight is from there. Uh, let, me, uh, let me give you a clip here. We're going to listen to a couple video clips, and rather than you hearing me tell you what they said, uh, I want you to hear from them what they have said. So again, keeping in mind this word of faith thing of speaking things into existence, uh, here's a fellow by the name of Andrew Womack. So Jonathan, let's play clip seven. If you are reaping sickness, it's because you've thought sickness. It may not be that you've thought, all right, I want to be sick. But you've thought things that allow sickness to dominate you, such things as, well, I'm only human. I'm just a man. It's flu season. I've got to get sick because it's flu season. You may not have sat there and have thought, I want the flu, but you thought things that made you inferior to flu and that made you only human. You were denying and not focused on who you are in Christ, that no plague will come nigh your dwelling. And you have thought things that made you susceptible to Satan stealing your health. All right. So again, the idea of speaking things into existence... Uh, you'll find two things that these folks do. Uh, if they can find a verse of Scripture, and they will search different versions of Scripture to find one that has a verse that will say what they want to teach, uh, they will either misconstrue or misunderstand the teaching of that Scripture, and they will uh, misdi misinterpret it, or uh, they will tell you something that is para-Bible, that is outside of the realm of Bible, and they'll just tell you when you say, well, where is that in Scripture? They'll just say, well, this is what God has told me. And uh, he's spoken to me about this. All right, uh, Jonathan, picture number two. Uh, the second fellow that followed Phineas Quimby's uh, teaching is a fellow by the name of Essex, uh, Essex Kenyon. Essex Kenyon. He also has ties to some metaphysical um, cults, the New Age movement, New Thought. Uh, he was a follower of the, the New Thought movement that was established by Phineas Quimby. Uh, he believed that we create by speaking faith-filled words. And here, here's what he would say about them. He said, words are containers of, of a tangible thing called faith. In other words, uh, you're not sitting on a chair that's made up of atoms and molecules tonight. You're sitting on a chair that if you break it down to its smallest component, you'll find there an element of faith. And he, he literally taught this that everything that is physical in the physical realm is, is made up of a container of faith, and that container of faith is given as we speak it out of our mouths. This is how off the wall this, this fellow was. He believed that humans took on the nature of Satan and forfeited their supposed deity. There's the first beginnings of man being equal to God. 
He believed that humans took on the nature of Satan and forfeited their supposed deity when Adam fell, and that Satan at that time became the legal god of planet Earth. Now, I do know that he is, the Bible talks about him being the prince of the power of the air, but the Bible still says that God is in full control of this earth. He is the owner of, uh, of it and all that in it is. God has created it. He owns it. It's his. It does not belong to Satan. He has allowed Satan to be loosed for a time and for a period. But I'm thankful at the end times, God is in full control of that. Amen? And he also believed that Jesus died twice. He believed that he had to die a physical death on the cross. And then he believed that when he went down to hell, that he went into the place of torment and for three days had to die a spiritual death that he ceased to be God during that time, and then that he rose spiritually before he ever arose physically. He believed in two deaths. And by the way, you'll find some of the uh, modern-day teachers that will teach something very, very similar to that. We've got to be so careful of this. He also said that health and wealth are obtainable by a believer's, here's the term he uses, positive confession. Uh, boy, you see a lot of this, don't you? Uh, people that will get up and preach, and they don't want to say anything that's not positive. They write New York Times best-selling books because their books are positive. And while I'll say this, they certainly are exceptional men as motivational speakers. They are not preachers of the gospel. And that is nowhere in Scripture found. There's another fellow by the name of Kenneth Hagin. Uh, Jonathan, go on to picture number three, if you will. Kenneth Hagin is known as the father of the modern Word of Faith movement. We'll see some clips of him, Lord willing, next Wednesday. You might see one or two clips from him. Uh, this guy was, was off the wall. I, I watched a, this, uh, a few weeks ago a, uh, a, a, a big conference that he was in and supposedly preaching, and it was the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your life. But uh, Kenneth Hagin also had ties to the metaphysical cults. He believed that no Christian should die until he's at least 120 years old. Well, uh, he didn't quite make it. Uh, he was uh, 86 years old when he passed away, and um, even though he believed that no Christian should die until he's 120 years old. He, um, he claimed that much of what he taught was by direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. He claimed that at eight different times in his life, Jesus Christ came and appeared to him personally face-to-face. -face. So we're going to take some time tonight. Uh, that's kind of how it all got established. Uh, there's a way, way more material on that, but just a nutshell overview of how they got established, what their initial beliefs and, and the, the guys that started this, kind of where they were coming from. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a background. So we're going to begin tonight dealing with some of their doctrines that they teach and then we're going to compare them to Scripture. And in the process, we're also going to be reviewing our doctrine from Scripture. Amen? Always good to do that. And so we thank the Lord for the ability to do that. The first one that we're going to deal with, and we'll probably just have time to deal with this one tonight because there's a lot of information on this, is what we call the doctrine of, what they call the doctrine of positive confession. The doctrine of positive confession. Uh, Jonathan, let's go ahead and play clip number eight. And then we'll come back and talk about this a little bit. Look at me, say, 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 all, all of you. Say, there's power in me. There's power in me. 
to speak life and death. You call what you have. You say what you want. And I'm here to tell you, I know that I know that I know that as these programs are airing, I, I'm speaking something into existence. Amen. So all they have to do is speak, and this is the idea of positive confession. Creflo Dollar, who's another one of these fellows, I mentioned him last week, he made this tweet uh, several, a uh, couple of years ago. He said, as spiritual beings who possess the nature of God, we have the ability to speak things into existence just like God did, Genesis 1-1. That was his tweet. And uh, so I want to help us with some things tonight. We're going to look at some scriptures, so keep your Bible handy. As we go through each of these, we're going to show some things in scripture that show that what they teach is certainly not accurate. And what is accurate? What, what, is, what does the Bible teach uh, on this, uh, this matter? So let's turn to Colossians chapter number 1. Uh, Colossians chapter number 1. And uh, we're going to look in verse number 16. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 16. Again, their, their, their belief in what they are teaching is that God is diminished and becomes like a man, and that man is to be deified and made into a god. Creflo Dollar uh, is one of the worst ones. Well, I can't say he's one of the worst ones. All of them teach this to some degree or another. He's one that has come right out and said, you are little gods, little G-O-D-S, he says. Look at Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 16. The Bible says this, For by him were what? All things... Created. That doesn't leave room for you and I to create anything, does it? Everything that exists, exists because of the Lord Jesus Christ. For by Him were all things created. They may not like to read this verse, if they're holding to this, that are in heaven. And, and by the way, if that's all it ever said, they'd say, aha, but that doesn't mean that the things in earth can't be changed. But look what it says. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. I did not see my name mentioned in there one time, did you? I did not see Creflo Dollar's name mentioned one time in there. All things are made by God. If there is anything that comes into existence, it is because God has spoken it into existence. It is not because man has spoken it into existence. Again, it's one of the ways that they try to teach men that they are just like God. And that was kind of the sin that Lucifer had, wasn't it? To be just... To be honest, that was, that was what caused, part of what caused the fall of man too, wasn't it? The Bible says, When she saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. What made her think that? Because the serpent had said, God doth know in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall become as gods. He knows how to appeal to them. By the way, that's a message of Satan. <laughs> that we are gods. That's not a message of God. That is a spirit working, but that's not the Holy Spirit working. 
And I'll tell you right now, anyone that will come out and say that you and I are little G-O-D-S gods is in direct opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ and God, and I don't want to have any part of them. I'm not going to go and join hand in hand with them and say, well, let's just all get along on the things we can agree on. Folks, that's divisive to me. They're not even following the same God that I'm following. And while I will be friendly to them, I cannot, I cannot associate with them. We've got to be so careful of this. They teach this, that God is not the object of our faith. Think about that for a minute. God is not the object of our faith. We've seen here that Creflo Dollar is trying to say, we're like God, we can create things just like God did. But now they're taking God and they're saying, okay, He's not the object of our faith. We're not to put our faith in Him. And unless you think I'm kidding about this or taking it out of context, I'm going to let you listen straight from them what they say about it. So, uh, Jonathan, go ahead and do clip number nine, if you would. No, no but the, the critics say God is God. He doesn't have to have faith. He doesn't exercise faith. He doesn't use faith. He's God. He's the object of faith. Oh, wait a minute. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. They don't even know what the object of faith means. And these are supposed to be the quote-unquote religious leaders of our country. This is kind of, uh, Jonathan knew this when he was coming out of nursery school where the object of our faith was. I mean, that's kind of bare bones Christianity. That's kind of the first step, isn't it? To know that he is the object of our faith. In the prosperity gospel, Justin Peters made this statement. He said, in the prosperity gospel, faith is not placed in God. It is a force you direct at God to make him do whatever you want him to do. Can I say that one more time? Justin Peters. Now he's not he's not a word of, he's against word of faith. But here's what he said. In the prosperity gospel, faith is not placed in God. They teach you he's not the object of our faith. It is a force that you direct at God to make him do whatever you want him to do. And that's their teaching. Look with me, if you will, in Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter number 2. And look in verse number 20. Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 20. Paul says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of what? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, doesn't that show the object of faith is to be the Son of God? This life that Paul does live, I mean, that's the whole focus of his life now. His life is Christ-centric. His faith is, faith, is Christ-centric. It's all revolving. He is the object of our faith. What else could you put your faith in? Look with me in Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter number 11 and verse number 22. Mark 11 and uh, I'm going to back up verse number 20 so we can see the passage. In the morning as they passed by, 
They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. You can't get much more plain than that. He is to be the object of our faith. I asked the question a minute ago, who else or what else would we have faith in? I'm glad you asked that question because they'll tell you what else you're supposed to have faith in. They say this, faith is to be the object of our faith. Jonathan, let's go to picture number four. This is a fellow by the name of Jesse DePlantis. And again, I'm showing you pictures, and I want you to remember them as best you can. And I'm giving you names. Because when you go by the television set, I want you to know who these false teachers are. I want you to be able to say, man, I know what they're teaching. That certainly is not Scripture. I'm not trying to be mean or ugly. And we ought to be praying for every one of these folks. But they cannot, we must not join arm in arm with them. Faith is to be the object of our faith. Jesse DePlantis made this statement on March the 24th. He wrote it in the Voice of Covenant, which is their little newsletter they send out, on page number 6. He said this, The Bible says, this is what he says, He says, The Bible says that every man has been given the measure of faith, Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. Up until that point, he is correct. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, verse number 3 does say that, that every man has been given a measure of faith. And then he changes something and he says, have faith in your faith and step over into the faith zone. Have faith in your faith and step over into the faith zone. God is not the object of our faith. Our faith is the object of our faith. If, if they believe and they hold to the fact that the words we speak are tangible containers of faith, then they say that is what we're to have faith in. So understand this. They're saying that what I speak out of my mouth in proclamation of faith is what I'm supposed to put my faith in. Not the Lord Jesus Christ, but if I state it and claim it. How many times have we heard that? Say it and claim it. You say it and claim it, you can have faith in it because you said it and claim it. That's a, that's a container of faith you've spoken. It's tangible. It's going to happen. You can put faith in that. That's not what the Bible says. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, very familiar passage. Most all of us know this and could quote it by heart. It says this in verse number 8, For by grace... Are you saved through what? Faith. Okay, so we see that grace and faith are involved. And that not of... It's not something I'm doing. It's not words of containers of faith that I'm speaking. This faith, this grace is not of me, nor is it of them. It is the gift of God, notice this, not of works, lest any... Man should boast. Why is it that God did not make our salvation dependent upon our works? He gives us one of his reasons right here, doesn't he? Not of works, lest what? Any man should boast. Is there any boasting among these men? 
that they are the men of faith, that they are next to God, that God consults with them to get their opinion about what he should do. Any, any of that strike a bell with you? That's boastfulness. They're saying it is dependent upon you. And you put your faith in your faith. The words that you speak by faith. Can I tell you this? We are to put our faith in no one other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the sole object of our faith. But they'll teach you that 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 is not the object of our faith. They don't even know what the object of faith is. They only believe that you will get whatever it is that you speak and proclaim. And that is the gist of what they do. John Hague, oh, let's back up a little bit. Um, they control the weather. They believe that they can, this, these words of faith can control the weather. Um, again, this is all under this whole positive um, speaking, this whole uh, positive proclaiming of faith. This is all their doctrine. They believe that, um, that their, their words can be used to create things, bring them into existence. Um, they believe that faith is not something that is, uh, has an object. It's not to be placed in God, but it's a force that you direct at God. They believe that you can control the weather. Uh, go ahead and play clip number 10, Jonathan. You know, you're, the, you're supposed to control the weather. I mean, Ken's the primary weatherman at our house, but when he's not there, I do it. You can see what's happening out there. It shows just like they have on at the weather, like on the news. I mean, he's got the computers, got the current weather on it and all that for plumbing. So uh, sometimes I'll hear something. I'll hear the thunder start. Maybe he'll still be asleep. And I'll say, Ken, you need to do something about this. And knowing that, but you are the one that has authority over the weather. One day, Ken and Pat Boone, we were in Hawaii at their house, and we were, they were sitting outside, and there was a weather spout out over the ocean. And that's like a tornado, except it hits the water. And so they were sitting there, and they just watched it, rebuked it, never did anything. One day, I was in the airplane in the back, and my little brother was in the back with me, and Ken was up front flying. And we were not in the weather, because we don't fly bad weather, but... We, we could see the weather over here. And I looked out the window, and that tornado came down just like this, down toward the ground. And Ken said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You get back up there. So this is how I learned how to talk to tornadoes. I saw this. And that tornado went, whoop, 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 whoop. Even while I was watching and my little brother was not a devout Christian at that time, and that was really good for him to see. So you're the weatherman. You get out there or the weather woman, whichever it is, and you talk to that thing. And you tell it, you're not coming here. I command you to dissipate. And you get back up there in Jesus' name. Glory to God. That, that, I won't charge you extra. Better not charge us extra. It wasn't worth anything. I don't know if you caught what she said. She said, you know, you're in control of, we're in control of the weather. But Kenneth and I, we don't fly in bad weather. That doesn't make any sense. But if if what she said was true, that they could control the weather, then I heard one fellow say it this way, they ought to be charged with criminal negligence because of the thousands of people who die in weather-related things every year, that if they were in control of it, they could save all of those lives. 
And the reason that they're not going to be charged for criminal negligence is because they can't do what they say they're, they can do. Uh, let's look in um, Matthew chapter number 8. I love this passage. Aren't you glad when the Bible just kind of teaches us things that when we hear something contrary to it, it helps us to say, ding, 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 that's wrong. Something wrong there, not quite right. The Bible helps us with these things. Look with me, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 27. Let's back up, uh, oh, verse number, yeah, we'll do verse 27 is fine. But the men marveled. Now, this is right after the Lord had, uh, had um, uh, calmed the sea in the, in the, the ship that was uh, being covered with the waves. He, uh, the disciples woke him up. He steps out. In verse number 26, uh, he tells the, the sea, rebuke the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, notice verse 27. It says, But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? They couldn't believe it because men can't do this. Only God can control the weather. Only He has the power over nature. And by the way, He can have power over nature because He's the one that set the laws of nature in motion. He can, he can suspend them if He wants to. But we understand this, that it is not you and I that control the weather. We don't speak these things into, into, uh, into uh, existence. All right? Uh, picture number five, Jonathan. John Hagee. Uh, I mentioned last week there's some people that uh, are shocking sometimes to maybe hear about this in these, in these movements. Um, and, and really sad, to be honest with you. In the early, early days of John Hagee's ministry, for the most part, and there were some things he was a little off on, but for the most part, he was a fairly solid preacher of the gospel. But as he got uh, more popular and more involved with other men in this movement, he began to change in a lot of ways. In uh, 2004, he wrote a book called The Seven Secrets, Unlocking Genuine Greatness. It's published by the Charisma House out of Lake Mary, Florida. On page 232, this is what he says. He says, I believe that when a person says, I wish I were dead, he or she invites the spirit of death to invade his or her life. When an unhappy wife says, my marriage is a failure, she has pronounced doom of this relationship. When a pregnant mother says, I don't want this baby, she is pronouncing the termination of her pregnancy or a curse upon the life of a child yet to be born. Speech is that powerful. Again, following after the idea that you speak it and it is so. My Bible only talks of one person ever that has spoken, and it was so. And that was the God Himself. Let's look in Acts chapter number 17. This one we've got several to look at, so keep your Bibles handy. Acts chapter number 17, we're going to take a look at this. There is such a thing, and... and We've got to be clear and careful, and one of these days we will do a, 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 an entire message on just the sovereignty of God. But God is sovereign. And the Bible teaches us that very, very clearly. How, we, uh, how God gets to the place of man having a free will, and it still work within his sovereignty. 
is something only God can do. But it works. And He has done both. Look with me in verse, chapter number 17 and verse number 24. Paul is speaking to the folks up on Mars Hill and, and to the uh, folks uh, in Athens that uh, had the altar. If you all remember the story, to the unknown God, he said, Him declare I unto you, verse number 24. He says this, God that made the world and all things therein, there, there it is again, all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So who is the one that's in charge of life and death? Is it man when we speak it? No, God is in charge of life and death. And hath made, look at verse 26, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined, notice this, the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we what? Live and move and have our being, as certain also of your poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We find that God is a sovereign God. Look with me in Psalm 139. This statement that John Hagee made is, does not line up with Scripture. As, uh, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I know people that enjoy listening to John Hagee. He is a, a, a skilled orator, uh, but he is a false teacher. Psalm 139 and verse number 16. The psalmist writes, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. My life... My, my fashioning, my coming to this earth was all done before I was ever even in existence in God's eyes. His plan was already for me. He knew before I was ever conceived, before I was ever born, that I was going to be here. And by the way, He knew that about you. And He knew that about the little baby that John Hagee is speaking of here in The Pregnant Mother. Look in Job chapter number 14. Job chapter number 14 and verse number 1. Job chapter 14 and verse number 1. Oh, that's 8.05. We won't be as long as last week. I'll promise you that. But we may end up either longer or shorter than. <laughs> one or the other. All right, we won't keep you long. Too long. Very long. Uh Verse number 1, Job 14, Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as the shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean, not one? Seeing his days are determined. That's an interesting thought. The number of his months are with thee, 
Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Kind of tells us that God pretty well already has all this worked out, doesn't he? He is sovereign in these matters. You'll notice that as they speak of this, more and more you see the God of the prosperity gospel as a very weak, uh, very indecisive. Eh. Jesse Duplantis, and we'll probably see a clip of it next week, talks about how God came to him and asked him his opinion. He said, he said God needed to know. And, and Jesse, in fact, I got the quote here. I'll read it to you. You all want to hear it? You want to hear it? All right, here we go. Give me a second here. All right, this is what he said. I don't have the exact quote. Here's what, he, here's what the gist of it was. This was on September 13th, 2020, or 2012, I'm sorry. He stated that God asked him his opinion. Jesse went on to tell God that what he had planned was not a good idea and that God should let Jesse work on it for a little, little bit to see if Jesse could work it out for God. That's, folks, that's what he told God in his office. I've got another clip of him, and Lord willing, we'll put it up next week, where he, he comforts God. He walked in his office one day to spend time with God, according to his, his testimony. He felt that there was something in his spirit that wasn't right with God, and he said, God, did somebody hurt you? He said, well, you need, you need somebody to love on you today, so I'm going to clear my schedule and spend my day with you, God, so I can make you feel better. Folks, that is nothing more than taking an almighty God, a God that deserves our reverence, that is so far above our ways, and bringing him down to a, a fellow, a buddy, a friend, a companion. And can I tell you this, that while God is my friend, it's by His choice. And I am certainly not one to come to God and give counsel to Him. This God of the prosperity gospel is, is shown to be weak. He's shown to be indecisive and really not much of a God at all. Joel Osteen, Jonathan, picture number six. Joel Osteen uh, made a comment, and I'm going to give you his quote in regards to Zacharias, uh, Zachariah. If Zechariah was the husband of Elizabeth who bore John the Baptist, okay, so just so we have a setting here. If you'll remember, before the angel came to Mary, he, he came to Elizabeth and told her that she was going to have a child. Now, Elizabeth was up in years, and Zechariah laughed at that, and he was in the temple doing his daily temple, and he, he was questioning God. And he was in a place where uh, he was uh, alone with God, and doing the office, doing the, the, the uh, procedure of what the priest was to do with the daily sacrifice, and God, the angel came to him. And when he questioned him, uh, the angel closed his lips. Remember that? Closed his tongue, could not let him speak, and said, you're not going to speak until the child is born. Joel Osteen tells us why. I'm glad God let Joel Osteen know, because otherwise we might not have known why God did this. But this is what God told Joel Osteen, apparently. He said, why did God take away his speech? God knew that Zechariah's negative words would cancel out his plan. See, God knows the power of our words, 
He knows that we prophesy our own future. And he knew that Zechariah's own negative words would cancel out his plan. Got some problems with that. <laughs> we're in Job, and I'm only going to get through this, this point, and we're going to go. Because we're going to read Job chapter number 38. Job was going through an unbelievable time. He's lost his family. He's lost his wife. He's lost his cattle. He's lost his servants. He's lost his friends. Job's pretty much lost everything but God. And by the way, if you ever get to that point where you feel like God's all you got, He's really all you ever need. Okay, so don't, don't fret about it. Don't worry about it. Job chapter number 38, Job finally questions God. He's like, God, you know, why, why is this happening? You know, why am I going through this? He doesn't, he doesn't get mad at God. He's not, he does ask God, though. He says, why is this happening? So this is God uh, getting, to, getting to the answer. All this time, God has not spoken a word to Job, did not give any explanation about why the things were happening in Job's life that were happening. By the way, God doesn't need to. If we're in a place of our lives where we're like, God, why are you doing this? And you're like, Pastor, he's not showing me. He doesn't have to. We just trust him that he's in control. That's all that matters. By doing so, we're saying, God, we believe you to be a good God and a, and a God that's long-suffering, a God that has your glory and my best interest at heart. We put our trust in him. We don't need the explanation. Verse number 38, or chapter number 38. Then the Lord answered. So Job, God is coming back to Job. He's going to give Job his answer. Now, this is God's answer to Job about why, all right? Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee an answer thou me. In other words, God's saying, Job, I want you to give me an answer to this. Here we go. Where wast thou? When I laid the foundations of the earth, declare it if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. By the way, have you ever noticed the ocean doesn't overflow the earth? <laughs> God set some doors and some bars in place for them. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days? And cause the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Or hast thou walked in search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? As for darkness, where is the place thereof? 
that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths of the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? By the way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth. Who hath divided a watercourse for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth? Hath the rain a father? Or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with the stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pilatus, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are. By the way, the answer to all these, if you haven't grasped this yet, is no. <laughs> Job, Job wasn't there. Job didn't see these things. Job doesn't know these things, and Job can't do these things. And that is the whole point of God's questioning. To help Job realize that it is God and God alone that controls these things. Not Job. Who hath put wisdom, verse number 36, in the inner parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness, and the clods cleave fast together, wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion? Or fill the appetite of the young lions? When they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait, who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wander for lack of meat. Has it ever amazed you how nature knows instinctively what to do to survive? I watched the birth of some horses the other day. You know, within minutes, they're up running. You know how long it takes a human baby to learn how to walk? Longer than a few minutes. I saw turtles that were hatched the other day. Sea turtles. As soon as they were hatched, they ran for the ocean. Who told them to run to the ocean? Why not go to the gra- why not go to the, the grass? These are things man can't explain. God is trying to express to Job here, and you'll notice if you take time to read later on, Job doesn't answer because Job can't answer. This is one of those things that Job really doesn't have a leg to stand on. He's, I can only imagine that there must have probably been some embarrassment even that he even questioned God in the first place after God got done with him. And I don't think that was God's intent other than to show Job this. But that kind of throws a wrench in Joel Osteen's statement, doesn't it? That he had, he had to close Zechariah's mouth because he knew the power of Zechariah's words. That if Zechariah spoke negatively of the birth of John the Baptist, that it would cancel out God's plan. 
this is what these folks are teaching. And it does not line up with Scripture. We'll pick up there next week because we don't want to rush through. You know what? Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you two more passages of Scripture to, to look up and read on your own. Let me give you three of them. Let me give you four of them. Give you four more. With regards to this last statement Joel Osteen made. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 27. Matthew chapter 6. We're already late. Let's just read them. Y'all bear with me. We're just going to read them without comment. Well, maybe a little comment. Matthew 6, verse number 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Try to speak that one. Most of these Word of Faith people, if they could, they could speak to be a really tall person. They could speak to be a very athletic person, so they could go into the NBA. They could make big money or football, National Football League, make big money. But they don't because they can't. They're lying about these things. Psalm 115, verse number 3. And we're almost done. I've got one more after this, uh, two more after this one. Verses. Psalm 115, verse number 3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Amen? If, if these folks would read their Bible before they would preach, it, it might help them to be a little more accurate in their preaching. But again, they don't, they don't have a problem with it. Because to them, they say, well, God told me this, so it really doesn't matter if the Bible says it or not. And the first thing I would do if I was a member of that church is find another church. Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. It kind of tells us that it doesn't really matter quite what man does. God's will is going to be done. Are we going to stop the rapture because we don't want it to happen? No. Are we going to stop the tribulation period because we don't want it to happen? No. What about the millennial reign? No. It's going to happen. No device of man is going to stop that. Psalm 135, last one. Psalm 135 and verse number 6. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas, and all deep places. That pretty well covers it. There's not too many other places you can go other than that. All right? So, again, uh, we have seen their doctrine, the, the first of their doctrines. It doesn't hold up to Scripture. It just does not. And, in fact, we have seen how the Scripture on the other hand, says that all of these things that they claim they can do are only things God can do. And all the things that they say God is like is really what we're like because they've tried to diminish God and they've tried to elevate man. And I uh, hope that will be a help to you. Let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. 
Lord, as we take some time to study these things, I pray that you will help us to have uh, your wisdom, your guidance, and help us to be able to rightly divide and rightly discern your word, that we would not be found in doctrinal error. I pray that you would help us to, as much as within us is, seek after the leading and the guiding and the teaching of your Holy Spirit as we read the pages of this blessed book. And may we reconfirm and recommit ourselves to holding it as our sole authority of faith and practice. Dismiss us now with your blessings. Give us safety as we travel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Dismissed.